Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis with a donation at support.greatdetectives.net or you can become one of our monthly contributors over at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Nightbeat, the original air date, September the 18th, 1950. And this one is, wanna buy a story? Nightbeat. Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one started with a girl, a girl and a full load of hate. You can't beat that combination for trouble. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Sure, I've been known to complain about working the night beat, but just between you and me, I wouldn't trade with anyone. You see, I've got a theory about people at night. I think they look different and they act different. When the sun goes down, something happens inside. Something changes in the head and the heart of a man. I guess science would call it human chemistry. I call it human nature. In the dark of night, people are more vulnerable to romance and hate and temptation. A shy guy makes love, a pillar of roaring virtue gets roaring drunk, a coward beats his wife, men plot to steal, and they do steal, they plot to kill, and they kill. By day, face the facts, the old well-known cold, clear light of day. Uh -uh. Let the sunshine boys face the facts, I'll see them in the making. You know, tracking down stories is a weird business. One night, I'll find a yarn right off sitting out in the open staring at me. Another night, I'll have to stalk the town like a bird dog. Tonight, I didn't want a story. I wanted a beer. So I went into Louie's saloon and drew myself a glass fresh out of the tap. I was sitting there staring at her when she walked in and climbed up on the stool next to me. This little dame with the scared blue eyes. I've been looking for you all night. Well, what took you so long? I went to a lot of places. Almost gave it up, and it... Kid, I know sales papers said you might be in here. You mean you were looking for me in particular? You're Randy Stone, aren't you? Yeah. I was looking for you in particular. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want a beer? Louie's in the back. I'll draw you one. No, thanks. I want to talk to you. Private. Well, right here is good. We're alone. Everyone seems to be nowhere tonight. Now, what are we going to talk about? You're a reporter on the Chicago Star, aren't you, Mr. Stone? Well, at the moment, my position with the Star is of minor importance. What do you mean? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Uh, drop the mister, make it Randy. Uh, what do I call you? Mary. Well, yes, Mary, I am a reporter on the Chicago Star. Now, what's your story? That's what I want to talk to you about. I've got a story. Honey, you don't know it, but I've been waiting for you. Start talking. I'm listening hard. It's not for free. i got to get paid for it. Oh, well, that... Uh, <laughs> this calls for music. Wait till I uh, put a nickel in this thing. 
Sure you don't want a beer? No, thanks. I don't buy stories. I think you'll buy this one. Yeah, for how much? Five hundred dollars. Five hundred? Look, Mary, you're a cute kid, but you're a dreamer. I don't make that much in a month. If you know who killed Cock Robin, I couldn't pay five hundred for the story. You could if I knew who killed Marty Crane. Marty Crane, the gambler? I didn't know that he'd been killed. Neither does anyone else. Not even the police? No. Well, don't you think you ought to tell them? That's the kind of story they get real interested in. Yeah, but they wouldn't pay me for it. I need $500, bad. They wouldn't give it to me, but you will. It'll mean a lot to the star to get the story first. Mean a lot to you, too. I haven't got 500 You could get it from your paper. Uh, ah, you're crazy. Marty Crane dead? I don't believe it. Okay, forget it. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's not get sore. Maybe you better fill me in a little. I don't know what you mean. Well, all right, point number one. If nobody else knows Marty Crane is dead, how do you? And if you do, where's your proof? I'll take you to him. You'll see him yourself. He'll be dead. Well, that's pretty good proof. Murdered? Yes, murdered. And you'll tell me who did it? I won't just tell you. I'll show you who did it. Did somebody come in? Oh, uh, never mind, Louis. It's all right. Oh, it's you, Randy. Okay. You know, I, uh, I could go to the police and tell them what you've told me. They'd find Crane's body, and I'd get the story for nothing. And so would every other newspaper in town. Uh, yeah. Well, say I did get the 500, and say you did prove Marty Crane had been murdered. I'd have to call the police then. I know. And if you told me who killed him, I'd have to spill that, too. You can do anything you want after you give me the money. And when I do that? After I give you Crane and his murderer. I see. It's got to be cash. Now, you don't look like the kind of a girl who'd sell somebody out for dough. You must have a big hate on. Only one person I hate. Marty Crane. You know, you don't make sense. If you hate Crane, why rat on the guy that killed him? I need the money. You must need it awful bad. You want to buy her, don't you? I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't got 500, but like you said, I could get it. Maybe. I, I need some time. You've got till midnight. It won't take me that long. Let's uh, make it an hour. All right. I'll wait for you. Right here. Randy Stone with rocks for brains. That's what I was thinking as I headed out of Louie's saloon. At the door, I turned around and looked at her, and something hurt in my throat. She looked like a little kid on that big, tall bar stool with her knees pulled up and her chin tucked under. All she needed was a dunce cap on her head. Or was I the one that raided the cap? Marty Crane was a crook and a louse. That innocent-looking little dame wanted to sell out the killer of a louse for 500 bucks. It didn't make sense. But I worked for a living, and if her story were true, we could scoop the town. It'd be worth 500 If. I had to weigh that big fat if against my job. I couldn't risk the paper's money on her word. I needed more to go on. Needed to protect my bet. I went down to police headquarters for a chat with Kowski. Yeah, but you know as much about the heel as we do. Why all the sudden interest in Marty Crane? Well, who knows, Kowski. Call it a hunch, maybe a rumor. I thought there might be something cooking with Crane. Well, if there is, we don't know about it. You know anybody that'd like to get rid of him? <laughs> Plenty of people, including yours truly. To quote the old man, Crane is a blot on the department's escutcheon, if you know what that means. I knew it sounds profane. He's slick like oil, this guy. One day he'll lose off in the wrong direction, we'll remove the blot. We'd have done it a couple of months ago if it hadn't been for Leonard Palmer. Leonard Palmer? Oh, you don't know him? Oh, yeah, sure, he's a lawyer. He's a magician. He defended Crane on a murder charge, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, the Callahan boy. Crane shot him. Palmer got him off on a self-defense. Oh, yes, I remember. They had a fumigate at the courtroom after that trial. Well, thanks for the rundown, Kalski. Oh, stick around. This place is like a mall. No, I can't do it. Uh, but if my hunch pans out, that's probably where I'll see you later. 
at the morgue. The next move I made was so simple and logical that I gave myself a zero for not doing it in the first place. I found a phone booth and called Marty Crane's apartment. I want to talk to Marty Crane. He ain't in. Are you sure? I said he ain't in, which means he ain't in. You don't know where I can catch him, do you? Who wants to know? A friend of his. It's important. I don't know where he is. Now, listen, I got to get in touch with him. For his sake, it's important. I said I don't know where he is, which means I don't know where he is. Well, can you think of any place he might be? I don't know of no place. Do you know anybody I might call that might know where he is? Well, you're a big help. Just tell me this. When did you last see him? How long ago? Look, kid, I'm just a houseboy around here. I ain't the information window. If you got questions to ask, call his lawyer. Ask him anything you want, but don't ask me. I don't know nothing, which means I don't know nothing. I gave myself another zero, but at least I'd gotten an idea from that fountain of information. I went through the book for Leonard Palmer's address. It was a very expensive address. The carpet sunk up to my ankles, but I made it across the room and eased into a lush-type sofa, one of those short deals they call a love seat. While I was sitting there, I wondered why. Can I make you a drink? No, no, uh, thank you. The very fancy layout you've got here, Mr. Palmer. Very fancy. I find law practice quite profitable. Uh, yeah, you've caught the hang of it, all right. What can I do for you, Mr. Stone? Uh, tell me where to find Marty Crane. Oh, is he lost? Well, I don't know. I'm looking for him. His apartment said I should try you. His apartment made an error. As you can see, he's not here. But maybe you know where he is. I don't know what gave you that idea. Well, you're his lawyer. Precisely. However, my duties as such do not include that of nursemaid. Uh, don't let's get nasty. I'm sorry you get that impression. If I were looking for Mr. Crane at this time of night, I'd try his various nightclubs. Like uh, which ones? I believe he owns several. The Red Dot, the Coronet... Oh, I really couldn't say. I'm afraid I can't be of any help to you at all. If I told you that I thought something had happened to Marty Crane, would that uh, change your attitude? Not in the least. You went to a lot of trouble to save his neck on that Callahan murder. Seems like you'd want to protect your efforts. I was paid for my efforts. It wouldn't bother you if I said maybe Crane was dead? Not in the least. As an individual, he means nothing to me. Few people do. My main interest is money, and I'm free to admit it. Uh, know anybody that'd uh, want to kill him? I dare say there are many people. You included? I? <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'd lose a client. It would necessitate rearranging my income tax returns. Any more questions, Mr. Stone? No, no, no uh, more questions. I wanted answers to my questions, and I couldn't get any. I called nightclubs Crane owned, and some he didn't. No one had seen him. No one knew where he was, or if they did, they wouldn't say. Mary's story was beginning to smell true. Time was getting close, and I headed for the office. Now I had to do the impossible. I had to get blood out of a turnip, a two-legged turnip named Hastings, my master, my dearly beloved managing editor. $500? You are out of your mind. Well, what have we got to lose? Your job. This is a newspaper. You're paid to find stories, not to buy them. Now, listen. This is big. If it works, we'll scoop everybody. If it works. I've been all over town. Nobody has seen Crane. Everybody gives me the runaround. 
My hunch is strong that she's telling the truth. And look, if she isn't, if she doesn't produce, I don't give her the money. You'll get it back. How can you beat a deal like that? Uh, okay, Randy, okay. So I'll give you the 500, but it's against my principles. If you ever let it get around, I'll have you drawn and quartered. Uh, yes, sir, and uh, thank you. I don't know what to say. I'm uh, touched. No, I am. I'm also an idiot. I wouldn't say We that. endeavor to maintain a schedule around here. Our jobs are more secure, and everyone is much happier when the paper comes out on time. I hate to bother you with humdrum, but it's late. I know you told me. lines are a dime a dozen. I hear I... you. I hear you. Just give me the dough. I'll be back with my story on time, or I'll kill myself. How's that? Oh, that seems fair and reasonable. I like your attitude. He's a lovely guy, Hastings. He's so dependable. If he says he's going to break your neck, you can depend on it. I'd stuck my neck out for breaking, and I knew it. How I got the 500 out of that heart of gold, I'll never know. But I had it, cash in my pocket. And if you don't think I was worried, you're crazy. I ran all the way back to Louie's saloon. When I got there, a drunk was hanging on the jukebox. Louie was behind the bar. In front of the bar, nobody. What's the matter, Randy? You don't look so good. That uh, girl that was here, where is she, Louie? Yeah, she left about five minutes ago. Oh, no. Yeah, she told me to be sure and tell you something. What the heck was it? Yeah, Louie, what the heck was it? Oh, yeah, she said to tell you she's coming back. She said, tell him I'll meet him here at exactly ten minutes to twelve. Ten minutes to twelve? I can't wait that long. Yeah, she must have it bad for this dame. I'd like to boil her in oil. I got a deadline to meet. It won't wait. I stake my job on that little dame. Hey, uh, Louie. I'm all out of nickel. Don't bother me. If I could only find her, Louie, I'd find her. <laughs> I don't even know her name. It's Callahan. Huh? Mary Callahan. You know her? Sure. She's a nice kid, so don't yap about her in my saloon. I used to be friends with her brother, Danny Callahan. Got shot a couple of months ago. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Say that again. This girl's the sister of Danny Callahan? Yeah. The Danny Callahan that was shot by Marty Crane? I and a lot of other people around here say he was murdered by Mary Crane. Smart lawyer got him off on self-defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that story. I also know I got to find that girl. She's walking around somewhere with my future in her mean little hands. NBC is bringing you Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. The chimes are ringing and laughing in anticipation of the riotous antics promised by two favorites in your NBC fall lineup. The first is Bob Hope, and he returns to the air over most of these NBC stations on Tuesday, October 3rd, with more laughs and timely satire in the unique rapid-fire Hope style. The day after Bob Hope's return... The hilarious quiz game, You Bet Your Life, makes its NBC debut, featuring that master of the ad-lib and clever quip, Groucho Marx. Bob Hope, October 3rd, and Groucho Marx, October 4th. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. I was in the soup and it was hot and I didn't like it. If Mary Callahan was telling the truth, if Marty Crane really had been murdered, some other paper was sure to smell out the story while I was cooling my heels in Louie's bar. 
My editor would scream like a banshee and I'd be sweating out unemployment, all because I took the word of a little blue-eyed stool pigeon who promised to sell out Marty Crane's murderer for $500. I had the 500 in my pocket. I think I must have put my brains in my pocket, too. Louie stood there watching me burn. I don't get you, Randy. What are you sore at Mary about? Like I told you, she's a nice kid. Maybe you don't know her like I do. What did she do to you? She welched on a deal. She said she'd wait for me right here. She said she'd be back. I told you that. She'll be back. At midnight. Ten of Well, I can't wait. I got a deadline to beat. No story. It's barely an hour till midnight, Randy. You don't know how mad Hastings can get in an hour. Some other paper scoops me out on that story. I'm a has-been. Oh, that dame I could kill her. I repeat, she's a nice kid. Yeah, yeah. Look, Louie. This brother of hers that Marty Crane shot. Mary like him? Sure. He was crazy about him. It's unbelievable. What do you mean? He was a nice guy. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I mean, it's unbelievable what some people will do for money. I don't follow your conversation. Well, don't try. I got to find that girl. Any idea where she'd go? I don't know. Maybe she went home. Where's home? You know where she lives? Yeah, but in the mood you're in, I don't know if I ought to tell you. Come on, Louie. I won't hit her. I'd like to, but for you, I'll skip the pleasure. I give you my word. After some gentle but firm persuasion, Louie took my word and gave me her address. I didn't have any trouble with the carpets in that place. There weren't any. Up four flights of stairs, it groaned and shuddered with every step. The light in the hall was so dim, I had to strike a match to read the number on the door. It checked with the one Louie gave me, so I knocked. I heard someone shuffle across the room inside. The door opened. A little old woman stood there peering at me. Before she even said anything, just the look in her eyes told me that everything wasn't quite right with her. I can't see you very well. Are you someone I know? Uh, I'm afraid not. I'm looking for Mary Callahan. Are you a friend of Mary's? Well, yes. Uh, Is she here? I'm Mary's mother. Won't you come inside? Oh, thank you, thank you. My name is Randy Stone, Mrs. Callahan. I'm sorry to call so late. Please sit down. No, thank you, really. I can't stay. I just wanted to speak to Mary. Is she home? I'm worried about Mary. Are you a friend of Danny's? Uh, No, no. I didn't know Danny. That's too bad. Danny was such a nice boy to know. I'm very anxious to see Mary, Mrs. Callahan. Uh, Isn't she here? No. Do you have any idea where I can find her? Did you say you knew Danny? No, no. I didn't know Danny. Danny's dead, you know. I expect you read about him in the paper. Uh, yeah. It wasn't true. Danny couldn't have tried to kill anyone. Not Danny. It was the lawyer that made people think he did. What was that lawyer's name? Palmer. Leonard Palmer. Yes, of course. Leonard Palmer. He's not dead, is he? He's a very clever man. What was it you wanted to know about Mary? I'm trying to find her. I've got to talk to her. She was here. When? How long ago? Not long. She only stayed a minute. You know where she went? That's a picture of Danny right there. He is a fine-looking boy, isn't he? Yes, yes, you bet he is. Yes. And he was a brave boy. He knew things about Marty Crane. That's why Crane shot him. And that lawyer made everybody believe that Danny had tried to shoot him first. Clever man. What was his name? Uh, please, Mrs. Callahan, did Mary say where she was going? She said she had an appointment with someone at 12 o'clock, and if she was late, I shouldn't worry. 
But I am worried. Well, the appointment was with me. I was hoping I could catch her before then. Oh, that's too bad. Maybe she's still at Mr. Green's. Mr. Green's? I remember she said something about going by Mr. Green's to pick up something. My memory isn't very good since then. Where is Mr. Green's? There's a pawn shop down the street. That's where Danny was killed, you know. Mr. Green's pawn shop. Mr. Green's pawn shop was closed up and dark, but way in the back I could see a sliver of light under the door. I made a lot of racket with the front door, and finally the one in back opened, and Mr. Green came staggering towards me. At first, I thought he was drunk. But when he let me in, I got a good look at him. I knew different. He'd been beaten half to death. Who are you? What do you want? Well, you better sit down. You don't look like you're going to make it. Who did this to you? Nobody. I, I don't know. I, I don't know anything. You didn't beat yourself up like that. Who did it? What do you want here? Who are you? I'm looking for Mary Callahan. Her mother said she was coming uh, here. I was afraid maybe you... Go on. Uh, afraid maybe I was what? No, Ma- Mary was here a little while ago. I keep on just missing. She didn't say where she was going, did she? No, no, she didn't say anything about that, I remember. All I remember, she told me after tonight, I, I won't have to worry anymore. I won't have to be afraid. Afraid of what? You're not from the police, are you? No, 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 no. I told you, Mrs. Callahan sent me here. I'm looking for Mary. Why don't you tell me what happened to you? Who beat you up? What are you afraid of? They tell me to leave town or I'll get worse next time. How can I leave? I've never been anyplace else. Where would I go? Who is they? Marty Crane's boys. Marty Crane? What have you got to do with him? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He shot Danny Callahan here in your shop, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he murdered Danny right here in this room. And I seen him do it, but I couldn't tell. He said he would kill me if I did. But I don't care anymore. I might as well tell, get it over with. Might as well be dead is the way I am. Where could I go? Now, you listen to me. You try to pull yourself together. You're going to be all right, I promise you. Now, right now, I've got to know if Marty Crane did this to you. Was he here tonight? Did you see him? I don't know. Maybe he was. Three or four, maybe four. Was Crane, was Crane one of them? I've got to know. (laughs) It happened so fast, he might have been, but I I don't know. I can't remember. I got the poor old guy to bed and went back to Louie's place. I didn't know what else to do. It was 20 to 12 and I was nowhere. I called Hastings. He gave me what was left of his mind. Either I got right in there with a story or I needn't bother to get in at all. Somehow I didn't care much. I kept thinking about that poor, crazy Mrs. Callahan and Danny and that old beaten man. Louie poured me a beer and I was wondering how I could drown myself in it when a cab pulled up in front and Mary Callahan got out. She stood at the door and motioned me to come outside. Well, did you get the money? Yes, I got it. Cash? Uh-uh, yeah, but uh, you're a little late. What do you mean? You're not going to back out. Not now, you can't. I'm all out of time. I got a deadline to beat. I stake my job on your story. I stake my life on it. You'll have your story in ten minutes. I swear you will. Please, get in the cab. All of a sudden, I don't know if I want the story. Job or no job. What are you giving me? I went out looking for you tonight. I found a lot of things that are hard to believe, like your your mother and a little guy named Green. You're wasting time. I guess my guts aren't as strong as yours, but after what I've seen, I think anybody who would kill Marty Crane is a hero. I don't get you at all. Your mother's half off her head. Your own brother is dead. 
And you tell who killed a skunk like Crane for a lousy 500 bucks. I don't care what you think of me. I didn't ask you to like me. That wasn't in the deal. I said I'd prove Crane was dead, and I'd tell you who killed him. You said you'd pay me $500 for it. I'm ready to keep my word. Now, what are you going to do? Okay. Go on, get in the cab. The cab took us to one of Crane's nightclubs, the Coronet Club. I followed Mary upstairs to an office with a door marked private. She told me to wait, then she went over and knocked on the door. I heard a girl laughing as the door opened, and there stood the dead man. Marty Crane himself in person, alive and leering. Well, well, Mary Callahan, right on time. Yeah, right on time. You know, I was surprised when you called, said you wanted to see me. I'm even more surprised you kept our appointment. But uh, pleasantly so. Come on in, dear. Want to be crowded? Well, I I wanted to see you alone. Yes, of course. Doris was just leaving, weren't you, darling? Oh, but naturally. You say so, darling. It's all yours, honey. Let's hope you're fleet-footed. That's enough, Doris. I'll call you later, maybe. I won't hold my breath. Shall we go inside? Yeah, sure. Well, I don't get it. Oh, hello. No, hello. What can I do for you? Oh, not a thing. Oh, it's too bad. You looking for somebody up here? No, not anymore. Uh, that was Marty Crane I just saw, wasn't it? Sure was. Would you say there was anything dead about him? Who? Marty dead? Hmm. Oh, no, not Marty. I'm dead about him. He's the life of the party, that guy. Almost too alive to suit me. He's... <laughs> What's going on around Get here? Get out of my way, will you? For crime, and he says what's going on. Mary. Yeah. Mary, you crazy kid. There's your story, Randy Stone. He's dead, isn't he? Yeah, he's dead. And it's plain to see who did it, isn't it? Why, Mary? Why did you do it? I had to. Somebody had to. I've been wanting to even up with him for a long time. But I had to have that $500 first. I had a hard time figuring out how to get it. But it's mine now, isn't it? What good is it going to do you now? It's going to save my neck. The same way he saved his when he killed Danny. It was self-defense. Nobody saw it happen. Leonard Palmer is a very clever man. He can prove it was self-defense, and I've got his price. $500 cash in advance. Well, I'll make my deadline. We'll scoop the town. Hastings is a happy man, but I'm not. I wonder who's going to have to tell Mary that she's not going to get away with it. I don't like the story. I wish it had never happened. But it's written, and a lot of people will read it, and in a couple of weeks, it'll be forgotten. Only I'll remember, and I'll always wish I'd known first what was really going on behind those scared blue eyes. Copy, boy. Just a minute, Frank. You know we have a distinguished newspaper woman here as our guest tonight. I certainly do, Don. Miss Agnes Underwood, the only woman city editor of a metropolitan newspaper in the entire United States. Not only is she the city editor of the Los Angeles Herald Express, Frank, but Miss Underwood has also written a book. I know that, too. It's called Newspaper Woman, telling about her own experiences as a reporter. Welcome to radio, Miss Underwood. 
It's an honor to share a microphone with you. Thank you, Frank. But tonight, I'm the one who's handing out the honors. Oh? Sincerely, Frank, on behalf of Theta Sigma Phi, National Fraternity for Women in Journalism, may I present you with this scroll and our compliments for your honest and convincing portrayal of a newspaper man on this show, Nightbeat. Also, honors from the profession to both you and Miss Patricia Neal for your portrayals of a newspaper man and newspaper woman in the Warner Brothers motion picture, Three Secrets. Well, thank you, Miss Underwood. Thank you very much. And Frank, Mm -hmm. that's Aggie to a co-worker. Okay, Aggie. And I know Pat Neal will be just as thrilled as I am with the award. Good night, Frank. Good night, Aggie. Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Marty Wilkinson with music by Frank Worth. Portions were transcribed. The part of Mary was played by Betty Moran. Others in tonight's cast were Peggy Weber, Larry Dobkin, Lou Krugman, Jack Crucian, and Stan Waxman. Frank Lovejoy will next be seen in Milton Sperling's production, Three Secrets, released by Warner Brothers. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. The chimes ring for two favorites returning to the NBC Tuesday night lineup tomorrow. Fibber McGee and Molly will be back at 79 Wistful Vista with all their delightful guests. And Art Linkletter returns with a host of contestants ready and willing to prove that people are funny. That's McGee and Molly, and people are funny tomorrow night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series, oh, and a madam's wife. You're listening to the great detectives of old time radio. Uh, This is one of those stories where you have a character who is not stupid, who is acting really stupid. So Randy works through this entire story. And as he researches it, he's like, this woman has no reason to want this guy alive. And to sell out whoever actually committed the murder... For $500? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. Why is she doing this? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. And I wonder, even if not in 1950, weren't there a whole lot of people saying, Randy, she's going to shoot him uh, at home? And then they show up there, and he's alive. And she goes in with him alone. That should also have been a bit of a clue. And he referenced uh, putting on a dunce cap. I kind of feel that that may have been warranted after this story. Because he's like, okay, wait a second. Uh, He's still alive. 
she doesn't have any motive to try and keep him alive or to reveal who his killer is. And she's in there with him alone. I'm shocked what happened. Of course, the story does have a serious point. And it's an age-old complaint about rich people who are able to hire good lawyers being able to get a bit more justice than the poor. And certainly they did do a good job of showing us why the world would be better off without this guy. There's a bit of over-the-top in the story, particularly the lawyer. I mean, the art... Even people who would feel that way, they're not generally going to say it, and certainly not to a reporter, because a lot of their success depends on their public image and jurors liking him. And it's hard for me to imagine jurors liking this guy. All right, well now, listener comments and feedback. Francis writes in regarding episode 2205, a brilliant episode. I especially like Dolly Maynard, the female sheriff with a voice like a sergeant major. Thanks for the comment, Francis. And then I also have a comment from Eric regarding an episode we aired a little bit further back. He says, I have a huge soft spot for these old boxer stories. They all have the same beats. The down-on-their-luck boxer trying to decide if he should get in the ring or, or throw a fight. Organized crime offering him a good payday if he works against his own interests. The girlfriend and the trainer slash manager, usually one of them, is true and the other not so much. The only thing missing from this story is the neighborhood kid who looks up to the old fighter. Maybe if he had one around, things would have turned out better for him. Ah, oh, geez, Gunner, you don't have to do that. Me and the boys, we all look up to you. Why, you can train us to fight. I'm sure Whitey down at the gym will let you. Guys will come from all around to train with the great gunner. Instead, he had Randy Stone. And let's face it, if you've fallen so far as to run in to him on a Chicago night, your chances of a happy ending are likely not very good. I also liked how this aired the same week we got a wrestling story on Richard Diamond. Uh, uh, theming. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for the comment, and yeah, I definitely do see the soft spot, even though these stories, like you said, do have the same beat. And this is even, you know, it does continue to this day, it's even part of the origin story of Daredevil, though obviously that originated back in the 1960s. I think Gunner having a son, it doesn't serve the purpose of giving him a reason to find a life afterwards or to stand firm. But, well, I think having the son does give him the reason to stand firm and a lot of the motivation. Because once this is all done, if this is his last fight, then it's going to be that question of being able to look his son in the eyes. So that was, it isn't always there, and it's nice to throw that into the equation. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Pat Novak for Hire, and then a week from tomorrow, That Hammer Guy. And join us back here again next Monday for Not Beat. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.